0: Well, here's the deal. In just a few moments, uh, we're going to come together to the Lord's table, uh, not physically, but in a spirit of remembrance. And so uh, we just want to say to our friends and family who are worshiping with us online if you want to go grab some communion elements, we already have ours ready here in the room. So any kind of cup or bread will do, uh, but we want you to join in us with that, even if you're uh, not in the room with us today. Um, We're preparing our hearts to come together to the Lord's table. And we're doing so as we're ending our series called Fear Not, and our Fear Not is gonna get quite an upgrade this week. The first week of this Fear Not series, there was actually no Fear Not. There was only fear. That was in the story of Herod. And then the other weeks, there was a Fear Not given by an angel, which is pretty impressive, and matter of fact, it's hard to beat until the day when our Fear Not is gonna come from the Son of God in the flesh himself. This Fear Not is gonna come from Jesus of Nazareth. Last week's Fear Not was uh, the traditional Christmas story, uh, the announcement of the angels. And we said it really was just a, a birth announcement. And I will tell you that last week I wanted to say, and we have a birth announcement for you today, uh, because born this week was the Cutchalls' baby number four, Zachary Mark was born. But then he wasn't born last week, and so I thought about telling that and then going, man, McKinsey messed up my sermon illustration. But to mess with a pregnant woman who's past due on her due date just didn't seem like a wise thing to do. So I did not mess with her, and praise the Lord, the baby was born. Uh, as well, my nephew Alex and his wife Kelsey, they welcomed their second daughter. We have four babies born since the last week of November here in the Temple family. And so a lot of birth announcements. Yeah, it's exciting. And to all of those young parents, we just say, in the words of the angel, fear not. I'm excited to see the fear not this morning from Jesus himself and so I invite you please to grab your Bibles If you don't have a Bible, there's one underneath the seat in front of you And then let's join with our tradition here on this last Sunday of the year And declare with confidence what we believe about this book and let's pray a prayer together Here we go The Bible is the word of God The truth of the Bible will change my life Lord open my heart and awaken my mind And give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter number 14. John, chapter 14. If you're using one of those Bibles from the seat in front of you, it's page 847. John, chapter 14. And here's the deal about the chapter and verse breaks in a moment like this. uh, I'm glad that it's easy for us to find chapter 14 because we're going to eventually be in verse number 1. But the reality is there probably technically shouldn't be a chapter break right here. Um, this is kind of in the middle of the longest single recorded conversation we have in all of the Bible from Jesus. Um, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, um, that's a pretty long sermon of Jesus to the public. Uh, Matthew chapter number 13 is his uh, collection of parables about the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And that was a sermon given to a lot of people. we have a pretty long conversation in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, it's also in Luke 21 of what's called the Olivet Discourse. It's a pretty long uh, conversation on the Mount of Olives. But by far, this is the longest collection of, a, of an ongoing conversation that Jesus has. And this is not a public sermon. This This long conversation that is... John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, and really ends with a prayer in chapter 17. You could almost make that part of this, the high priestly prayer. This conversation is not in public. It's in an intimate setting. It's a more like a family meal in the evening. It's appropriate today uh, that we began our uh, morning with pancakes and PJs, our temple kids. Uh, shout out to our volunteers, some of our student leaders who helped serve in that. Good job with that. Uh, we're proud of you for serving in that way. Uh, but this, this would be a conversation that probably was more likely uh, to be in PJs than Sunday morning best. Right? This was a, a conversation in the most intimate of settings. In the midst of that setting, we pick the story up uh, kind of mid-conversation. In verse number 1 of chapter 14, Jesus says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Another version of fear not. That word troubled is the same word we saw uh, when we began our series the first week, where Herod was troubled. That the announcement was there was someone born king of the Jews. It's also the same word that we read in Luke chapter one, where Zachariah was troubled when he saw an angel. It's the idea of being rattled, the idea of being shaken or so terrified that we're moved inside of ourselves. And Jesus says, "Don't let your heart be troubled." And the fact that he says that, have I mentioned that this is in the middle of a conversation that's really important for us to understand. it's in the middle of a conversation. Because here's what Jesus said already in the conversation. One thing is Jesus has already, again, predicted his death. Then he predicted, one of you will betray me. Not in the big public setting, the inner circle. And then send him out. Go do what you're going to do. And then the most vocal leader in the group was told, you're going to betray me before the sun comes up. In the midst of predictions of death, betrayal, and denial in the future, Jesus says, Fear not. Don't let your heart be troubled. I think that's some incredible context. Because the reality is, all of the people who heard, don't be troubled, don't be terrified, don't let your hearts be afraid. The people who heard that were surrounded by betrayal and denial or knew they were going to be responsible for betrayal and denial. And as we stand here on the brink of a new year, New Year's Eve is one of those weird looking back, looking forward kind of natural things in us. And here's the thing we might be looking forward towards betrayal or denial around us or within us Or maybe we're looking back and we experienced Recently some betrayal or denial around us or inside of us and in the midst of that real life mess Jesus says fear doesn't have to have power over you The fact that jesus says let not your hearts be troubled tells us something about our emotions and that is We are not victims of them Our emotions are what they are. They are real We don't deny our emotions, but we also don't empower them as though they control us or define us Jesus would not tell us not to be overcome by fear or terror if we didn't have the authority to do so You with me? The fact that jesus says don't be overcome by this means you might be in a troubling moment A troubling circumstance something as deep as denial or betrayal and even in that fear doesn't have to be the end of your story i have no idea what 2024 is going to hold for you but i do know that fear doesn't have to rule and reign in your heart on the authority of jesus it doesn't have to be the end of your story let not your hearts be troubled our hope for the future is not even robbed in death, denial, or betrayal. I think that's some powerful fear not. Some of us, this idea of, of looking to the future, maybe you know some stuff that's coming and you're really worried about it, or you at least think you know something that's coming and you're worried about it. Or maybe it's just the idea of the, that you don't know. Maybe that's what's terrifying. It's just the, that fear of the unknown. Really smart people call it anticipatory anxiety. Normal people call that fear of the future. Anticipatory anxiety. If you Google anticipatory anxiety, you're going to see really smart people saying, this is part of insomnia, high blood pressure, low motivation, uh, fogginess in your memory. It's all these terrible things. And the reality is, it doesn't have to control us. We don't have to be controlled by fear of the future because we have a God who's already there. Fear of the future doesn't have to be the end of of our story. Some of us spend so much time worrying about the future that we think somehow if I fret enough about it, I can fix it. I love, some of you probably heard this before, but I love what Corey ten Boom said. Fear does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. There might still be sorrow tomorrow. I don't know, but whether I was worried about it or not, it's still going to be there. But what I do know is if I spend my life in fear of tomorrow, I will rob myself of today's mercy. Fear not. Let not your heart be troubled this Christmas Eve morning. Which is bad grammar. Eve morning, but whatever. And I love that Jesus does not say, I'm going to die, you're going to betray me, you're going to deny me, but don't worry about it. See you later. I'm really glad this is the, have I mentioned this is the middle of a conversation, <laughs> not the end. If all he said was, don't let your hearts be troubled, deuces, I'm out. Be like, uh, but he gives us some great helpful reasons that fear doesn't have to overcome us. He gives us some some great ways that we can hold on to something that can help us overcome fear. We're going to park on the first one, but there's four quick observations in this text that I'm telling you, you don't need to hear me today. (laughs) But let's not walk into 2024 without hearing from Jesus today. Here's what I want you to hear first of all. The fear of what is next is overcome through faith in the person of Jesus. Because he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This idea that and we're not totally sure it's really hard to tell in the original language. Um, Some translations say you believe in God. Believe also in me. Maybe that's what's meant to be implied here. But the reality is that the first part of that belief is more like what we would call an introductory or even respectfully a generic belief in generic God And he's offering us something better than generic faith He's offering us personal faith Believe in the God who took on flesh and dwelt among us Believe in me. You can see me. You can hear me It's a call to an intimate relational faith Of faith that that we're growing to know the person of Jesus. And as we grow to know him, we cannot help but trust him more. The reason we've encouraged you to consider doing a Bible reading this plan, a plan this year, if if you've not done one in in years past, is not because we think you'll be smarter if you read the Bible. You will. It's not because you'll make wiser decisions. You will. It's that you'll grow into a deeper intimacy with the living God if you'll meet him in these pages. Because the more that you'll grow to know him, the more you will trust him. And that changes everything. You won't realize that you're being set free from fear. You'll just notice that you trust his presence more. He invites us into intimacy with the person of Jesus. This is simple but profound And convicting Paul David Tripp said Peace and hope are never to be found In your efforts to figure out the future To which I want to say But I want to Peace and hope are not found In my capacity to control the future Know the future or figure out the future Because when Jesus says Believe in me Somebody other than me needs to hear this today. This is for me today. This is one of those moments I could have stayed home because, like, I got the sermon. It hit me square in the soul. But I think somebody else needs to hear this today. When he says, believe in me, he's also implying, stop believing in you. By the way, or anybody else to your left and your right. Like, he's sitting with the apostles He's sitting with people that we name hospitals after. (laughs) You with me? And he's like, no, 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 no. Betrayer, denier, believe in me. And I'm telling you, my heart betrays and denies all the time. And what I desperately need is an increasing, growing, developing, maturing faith in the person of Jesus. And what I desperately need is to be freed from faith in myself. Or faith in anybody else. There's only one who's trustworthy. Who's worthy of true faith. That's the person of Jesus Christ. And this is not sermon stuff to me. This is something I've experienced profound conviction of over and over and over again in my life. I, I like to think I can see the problem come and figure it out, have ten solutions... And what that does is I constantly walk into moments with a, a heightened, foolish faith in myself. It, it's like the repeated conviction. Every time I think I'm trusting the Lord a little more, He shows me the 8,000 areas of my life that I'm not trusting in him today. And that's been experienced more recently in no way more profound than with our Christmas offering. I, I want to give some context to our Christmas offering because I know... Some of you have, have come along this journey with us kind of midstream, kind of like John chapter 14. You showed up in the middle of a conversation. So I, I want to, I'm going to walk backwards now and our cameramen are going to freak out. I know I'm walking to the shadows. Get over it. Okay. I want to interact with you here a little bit. So we, we showed you this. Uh-oh, what happened? We lost this. Can you try that again? Uh, we're going to try that again. Is it on? <laughs> Come on. Dad, be nice. There we go. Good job. Okay. We, a little more than a year ago, we announced this project that we were going to take on Project Gera. right? Uh, again, if you're, you're brand new to the journey, um, Guerra is a village in the Dominican Republic where some Haitian refugee pastors are just killing it for the kingdom of God. Uh, a church planter there named Matthew that we've partnered with. Some of you have been there. You've been with us. You've met Matthew. You've seen this village. You've seen this church. This church was growing like crazy, meeting in this ridiculous space about the size of our drum riser right here. And we're just doing great things for the Lord. And we're like, man, we got to come alongside this. Here's the thing that I didn't tell you when we announced this a little more than a year ago. I didn't think there's any way we were going to be able to do this. It's just a reality. Like, we've never done a project anywhere near this big. And I assumed this is going to take us years and years and years. And I watched God provide the first $30,000 of this through your generosity really quickly in an amazing way. And I was amazed at what God did through your generosity. And then a, another church, a larger church that found out about this said, hey, we're going to match that. And phase one was completed pretty quick, about a year ago, thanks to a, another church coming alongside this. Which meant now it's time for phase two. The first half of phase two, again, those who went on our trip were moved by God. And, and I watched among you the work of the Holy Spirit produce incredible generosity. And so the first half of phase two got raised. And actually some extra to do some extra projects while we were there that God moved on some of your hearts for us to do. And that, that same large church, that pastor had been like, hey, we'll do this again. Just call me. And so when I saw this great generosity this summer, I was like, sweet. We're going to be able to finish phase two by the time that money's due. This will be a piece of cake. And so I called that pastor and was like, hey, we've raised the 30. Let's go. I didn't say it that way. But like phase two, this, this money's due. He was like, "Ah." Oh. We just did a bunch of stuff this month for some other projects. Uh, call me back in a, a couple of weeks. I was like, oh, it's not due for months. No worries. So I waited a couple months, called him back, and was like, hey, you know, it's about time. And he was like, ah, oh, call me back in a week. We got you. Okay. So I called back in a week and he was like, oh, man, call me back in a couple days. Okay. He's like, we're good. So I called him back. I gave him another week, called him back and he said, hey, we're not going to be able to do anything right now. Sorry. Um. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? what? What do you mean you can't do anything? He's like, yeah, I'm really sorry. We've kind of overcommitted this year. We're not going to be able to do anything. Okay, cool, awesome. So I called Greg, and I was like, can you believe that jerk who didn't just hand me money? No, I'm just... I called Greg and told him this was around Thanksgiving. And he... so my brother Greg, if you don't know my brother Greg, he's much, much older than me. Uh, but not any... Not any wiser, just a lot older. Um, He says, like instinctively, like quickly, he says, I guess yet again I was putting my faith in man instead of in God. And I was like, yeah, you were. That must be terrible for you to not be as sanctified as me. How convicting, you know? Like God speaks through the mouth of a donkey and like you're just convicted. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Read the Bible. It's really convicting. So I was convicted. I put my faith in this guy and not in the Lord. I was convicted by my lack of faith, but that didn't necessarily produce faith. I was like, well, I guess we're going to throw out the Christmas offering thing. We've done that in the past. I think the biggest Christmas offering we've ever done, Monica's going to have to look this up some other time, whatever, but is less than 15000 Less than half of what we needed is the biggest Christmas offering we've ever had. So when I announced to you, hey, our goal, we need to raise $30,000 for our Christmas offering. I announced that without a thimble of faith. I mean, like, None. To be fair, I thought maybe we'll get halfway there. And we did something we've never done. We did roll out the Christmas offering early because we know everybody at Temple loves to get ahead of things. (laughs) And so we rolled into last Sunday morning with $5,000, just over $5,000. And I was like, well, there you go. So maybe we'll hit 20. I was actually really hopeful that maybe we would hit 20. Um,. I think it was one of my sons this week. I cannot remember. But somebody asked me this week, hey, when are we going to start fundraising for phase three? And I was like, bro, we're not going to finish phase two before the end of the year. Slow your roll. Like, maybe this spring we'll hop on that. Let's get through Easter and we'll see what we do. So, despite my lack of faith, I just want to tell you our offering our Christmas offering total is fifty-seven thousand two hundred and sixty-eight dollars and seventy-three cents. What? So, just for the record, because somebody might need to know this, that means to complete phase three, we're now only two thousand and seven hundred and thirty-one dollars and twenty-seven dollars uh, cents short. So if anybody would just like to take care of that today, let's just go ahead and be done with this (laughs) so we can deal with the next thing for the rest of the year. Holy cow! Come on, somebody! Is that incredible? (laughs) I wish I could go back in time four weeks until the... Four week younger version of myself. Fear not. Let not your heart be troubled. Have faith in the person of Jesus. Trust him because he's always trustworthy. Now, he doesn't always show off like this because <laughs> then our faith would be made sight, and that's not yet. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I'm just telling you, it just amazes me in moments like this, where God continues to reveal in such a convicting way my heightened faith in self and my diminished faith in Him. And I'm just telling you, I'm walking into 2024 with a little more faith in the person of Jesus because of what I've seen Him do this week. I got no idea. What 2024 is going to hold in store, but I sure do trust in my Savior. How does fear of what's next not have power over us? How do we overcome that? Number one, through faith in the person of Jesus. And then, yes, these are alliterated today. I tried not to, but it's in the text. Also in the preparation of Jesus. Faith in the preparation of Jesus. He goes on to say, In my father's house are many rooms. Those of us who grew up on the King James Version were like, How did I get a downgrade? Right? Yeah, where's my mansion? Just over the hilltop. Somebody? Some of y'all don't know. You have no idea what I'm talking about right now. We did not get a downgrade. Uh, the, the, The appropriate translation is dwelling place room If it were not so what i've told you that I go to prepare a place for you And if I go And prepare a place for you, I will come again Jesus who we trust in is preparing a place Like he has a plan. He's at work. He's up to something. Because he's going to come again. Somebody asked me last week, they're like, so what's the next series? Because Advent is over. And I said, no, no, no. Advent doesn't end until the Sunday after we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Because we, the weeks leading up to Advent, we focus on the first. Advent just means coming or arriving. We focus leading up. To the season that we celebrate the birth of jesus Focusing on his first advent But we can't end this season without focusing on his second advent Because the first advent's already been completed And now we along with all of creation as in the pains of childbirth are longing for his second advent He's up to something He has a plan He's preparing a place, like a physical, tangible place. Well, what's the place? Is it a mansion? Are the streets of gold? uh, Listen, the, the place is not the point. It's that if Jesus has spent 2,000 years preparing something, I think it's going to be worth the wait. And it's not just that he's preparing the place. He's also, according to the authority of scriptures, preparing us. He's not just preparing a place for us. He's preparing us for the place. Every single thing I talk uh, walk into, every single thing I experience in life, he's leveraging to transform me into his image. He's working to prepare me. Which means even the worst things I might face in 2024 have purpose on them. There's a plan behind it. It can't help itself but be part of God's uh, preparatory purposes in my life. That was a lot of peace can't help it. That's what he does. He's preparing a place and he's preparing a people. And part of the reason that we come together to the Lord's table here at the end of Advent, the clearest instruction we have about what we call communion is in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. The Apostle Paul tells us that Every single time we gather to do this, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He is coming again, and everything between now and then, even the worst things, are part of the preparation process. He's up to something. It's part of the reason I can trust Him. I don't just trust Him as though He's disengaged. I trust Him that He's at work. And then I just got to say this, and this is not the focus of this morning's talk, but we can't honor this text well and not say this. Part of the, the way we overcome the fear of what's next is through faith in the presence of Jesus. Because I want you to notice what He says. He says, If I go... And prepare a place for you. I will come again. And take you. Not to heaven. Not take you to paradise. Not take you to your mansion. Not take you to a street of gold. Not take you to the new heaven or the new earth. Are all those not glorious things? For sure. He goes way better than that. I'm going to take you to myself. Literally, at the end of this whole thing, we get to see him for who he is. And in the meantime, he offers us his manifest presence to create in us a greater hunger for his revealed presence. We celebrate in Christmas season the incarnation the, the God coming with us in the flesh. And listen, that doesn't end with the Christmas story. That's still the thing we live for every day. We sing songs about Emmanuel during Christmas. God with us. That's our hope for 2024. Is that God is with us and will be with us. It's his presence. Part of how I trust less than me is I trust more in his presence. Growing in intimacy with Him, I learned to trust Him. I trust His plan, His preparation. I trust the fact that He's with me. And then here's the last thing, and yes, it starts with a P. We overcome the fear of what's next through faith in the price of Jesus. Because he goes on to say something that had to have confused all of them, but only Thomas had the courage to question it. He said, and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas is like, you just defined it as a place. That was pretty general, Jesus. A place. Don't know the way to a place. We're in a place. We came from a place. I don't know. What are you talking about? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus knew that when he said except through me, he meant through faith in my death and my resurrection. When John the Beloved wrote down this long conversation He gave this long conversation a very short introduction. If you've got a paper Bible, turn back a page or scroll or whatever. Chapter 13, verse number 1. It says this, before the feast of the Passover, what we call the Lord's Supper. They're gathered in the upper room, right? Before that, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. (laughs) John's introduction to this long story is what he would eventually write a couple pages later. It is finished. Because of the death of the son of God his broken body his shed blood It's finished He loved us to the end So whatever I face in the future that might be scary It's not more scary than an eternity separated from God It's not an eternity that i'm dependent on me to save myself. No he's loved us to the end and that price cost him his very life. He laid it down because he loved you. The reason we do this in remembrance is because the price has already been paid. And in this context here in the Gospel of John, they, they did communion first. And then Jesus said all these things. And we do it in reverse because they were looking forwards and we are looking backwards. We have access to the presence of God. We have access to a relationship with Jesus. We have access to understand and submit to his plan in our life because he laid down his life for us and took it up again. And that's why we remember. Because if we remember, and, and maybe you're in a season of remembrance already today. You're thinking about the last year. I'm just telling you, for a few moments, let's pause all of that reflection and let's look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because if we can remember for just a moment, for just a glimpse, what he has done for us, the price he has paid for us, it will refocus how we see everything moving forward. How is fear not even possible when I don't know what's next? Because if God did not spare His own Son for us, you don't think He's going to get you through the next year? He left the glory and splendor of heaven because He knew that He would lay down His life for you. You think next year is going to just be the end of it all? No. When I remember what He's done, then I hear the Spirit whisper to me, let not your heart be troubled. In just a moment, we're going to invite you to observe this remembrance with us as we take communion together. And let me just say this. Who, who is that for in the room? Um, you don't have to be a member of this church to participate in this with us. Here at Temple, what we believe is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've had a moment where you've placed your faith in Jesus, Jesus calls it in the Gospel of John, being born again. If you've had that moment of faith, And if you've made that public through baptism, then we invite you to join with us in this observance of the Lord's Supper. If you've never experienced a moment of faith where you gave your life to Jesus, we would love to have that conversation with you before the calendar turns to January 1. Maybe you would say, I've not been baptized. I have good news for you. We're going to do a baptism Sunday in just a few weeks. And so maybe for you... New year's resolution doesn't need to be i'm going to be a millionaire this year. Maybe it needs to be i'm going to take the first step of faith and be baptized We'd love to take that step with you We're going to give you an opportunity to sign up for that starting next week And so if you're here today and you say I don't know for sure where I am On my faith journey or maybe you'd say i've not been baptized yet then we're asking you to take this space As a season to reflect to think on what Jesus has done for you. If there's a child in the room that's not yet taken that step, I, I'm willing to be the bad guy on your behalf and say, let's withhold that for just this moment, okay? The, that text in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, the Apostle Paul said that we should not enter into this mindlessly, without paying attention, that we should not enter into this moment and partake of this in an unworthy manner. He said, so let a person examine himself. And to examine ourselves is not to reflect on all the ways we've messed up lately because we'd be here for a long time. It's to ask myself, is there anything in my life that I need to confess before the Lord today? Is there something that's, that I've not laid down that, that would be a barrier between me and him today and our fellowship? And then it would be to examine ourselves in this way. Am I truly in a posture of remembrance right now? Am I truly reflecting on the broken body and shed blood of the Son of God in the flesh on my behalf? And so what we want to do right now in this moment, just in a a spirit of prayer and reflection, I'm going to ask Steph to sing a song uh, that kind of just gives us uh, an environment or, or a space where we can reflect together right now. So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. Steph's going to sing take advantage of this space to commune with the Lord, to examine yourself, and to prepare your